Pastor Ed Ray offers this challenge concerning the gift God has given you. God gave you a gift when you surrendered your life to Him. Are you using it? Have you let it die down? Stir up that gift. Well, what gift did I get? You have the gift of God of faith in you. Now, you may have other gifts. If you don't, you should ask for them. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do not be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. God wants you to have them. Exercise them in your life. Use them. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. We've all heard of white elephant gifts. Someone was given a battery, and on the label it said, gift not included. I'm happy to say God does not give white elephant gifts. His gifts are useful, and they're to be used. We've begun a new book of the Bible here on Grow in Grace, and that's 2 Timothy. On our last broadcast, we learned the Apostle Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy to encourage him. And we pick up today with more encouragement for Timothy that God gives what's needed to be effective in his calling. It's a principle that applies to us today. From 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's Pastor Ed. Paul sees him as a son, a son who is a spiritual child of his. In the faith, you may be sitting here unable to have children. It does not matter in the family of God. Because there are people younger in the faith than you, maybe younger chronologically, who need you. They need you to lead them into a deeper relationship with God. I can say that to every person in here who's saved, every person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants to use you to teach others, particularly those that are younger. You can't have kids? We got plenty of them around here. Go be a Sunday school teacher. Go work with our high schoolers. Go work with our junior hires. Now, there's a challenge. <laughs> Serious challenge. If you can teach fifth grade boys and keep their attention, you have a call on your life for something very important. So, God is telling us that He loves Timothy through Paul, and He wants us to do the same, love other people, young people, and treat them like children. And they start out awkward. You know, babies, they wake up in the middle of the night and us dads pretend we don't hear them, wait for the mother to go take care of them. Comes at awkward times, right? Midnight, two in the morning. And that may happen if you give yourself to help someone grow in Christ. I get calls in the middle of the night often. Expect it to happen. And you won't be disappointed when it does. But someday in heaven, in eternity, you'll stand with this person next to you, and they'll say, thank you. There's not enough thank yous. You can't say thank you enough for the person that leads you to Christ or helps you grow in Christ so that you make it all the way. So, verse 3, I thank God. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So, Paul says he's thankful for Timothy. 
and he says he serves him. Now, don't get confused. Some people try and take this pure conscience thing to mean that Paul had a pure conscience when he was killing Christians. That's not what it says. The Greek tense is present, not present perfect, not going back. But he says, as I'm writing this letter at this moment, I have a pure conscience. I have a clean conscience. Conscience is that little voice. It's not entirely the thing you can trust without question. Because sometimes we sear our conscience to the point it doesn't work anymore. But God gave us a good one when we started. I was looking for an illustration of this great story. There was a, a young kid who was at a local children's hospital, and his name is Jimmy, seven years old. But he was a constant troublemaker into everything. Nurses were trying to keep him in his bed. He was in chemo. One day, a weekly visitor who knew him well said, Jimmy, if you're a good boy this week, for a week then I will give you a quarter when I come back. A week later, I stood by Jimmy's bed and said, Jimmy, now I'm not going to ask the nurses how you have behaved. You must tell me yourself, do you deserve to have a quarter? He put his covers over his head and he said, give me a penny. <laughs> Honest kid. <laughs> so the conscience speaks very clearly, even to little seven-year-old kids. Paul said, I had a clear conscience, as my forefathers did, as the Jews did who understood the Messiah was coming. They didn't understand what we understand, that the Messiah was God, Emmanuel, God with us, even though it was there in the Old Testament. They don't grasp it like we can because we have hindsight. But they served Him to the best of their ability. As without ceasing, and Paul talks about his prayer life here, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now, you can argue he's talking about twice a day or that it's doing it all the time, but the point is that Paul was a man of prayer. The word prayer appears in every letter that Paul wrote. He understood that prayer changes things. Do you believe that? God will change people if you pray for them. You have been given this powerful weapon called prayer. Paul understood that. He knows this young man struggling, and he lifts him up in prayer constantly and tells him about it. So he'll, imagine if you knew the Apostle Paul was praying for you every day. Wow. Looking forward to meeting Paul someday. I want to talk to Jesus first, of course. But then I want to sit down with him, you know, with you know, a couple thousand years. We've got plenty of time. And I have to stand in line. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you'd like to talk to him too. But he just strikes me as the, the guy who just kept on serving. And he just put his head down and kept serving God. The more stuff that came at him, the, the stronger he pushed. I remember you in my prayers. I'm praying for you. Verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you. I love you. He's very open. A lot of pathos here. A lot of emotion. Be mindful of your tears. Being mindful, I saw you crying. So we're told by an early church historian that Paul, after he finished the first letter, went on another missionary journey, got as far as Spain. Some think he went as far as England, Britain, where tin came from for the Romans. And then he came back to Ephesus, and he was arrested in Ephesus. So Paul may be alluding to that here. We don't know for sure, but it seems likely that Paul was arrested and Timothy watched him being taken away, and he was weeping over it. Paul says, I remember your tears. I saw the tears in your eyes when I was taken, but I'm praying that I may be filled with joy. 
He's in a prison. He's chained. And he's talking about joy. Here's a picture of, of the right attitude of serving God. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance, I want joy, the genuine faith, the unfeigned, literally it says faith, that is in you. You have the real thing. You have unhypocritical faith, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. There's a picture here of his life. First of all, the faith was genuine. It was real. There is such a thing as phony faith, a person who's trying to impress other people that they love God. But this, God says, is the real deal. By the way, God puts giants in our life so that our faith would be tested and we would learn to trust in Him. You remember there were giants in the promised land? What's up with the promised land? What did Caleb say? The old guy says, I want the giant's land because I need it, because I need to exercise my faith. Faith is a muscle. And so he purposefully put himself in a situation that would cause him to grow in God. A wise person does that. Put yourself in situations that you know you'll be forced to lean on God. That's what Paul's talking about here. That well, for, you got it from your grandmother and your mom. Wow. Now, we live in a time where there's a lot of moms who are single who are raising kids. And sometimes the culture, the society, says negative things about that. Check this out. Here's a grandmother and a mother that raised this son. Now, we know his dad was Greek, but he isn't mentioned in any other thing. Mom was a, a Jewish woman who when she heard Paul preach and her mother, they gave their lives to the Lord. They lived in Lystra, you remember, Acts chapter 15. Paul is on his first missionary journey. He goes, it's central Asia Minor, right in the middle of Turkey, about 180 miles from Ephesus. And Paul goes in there. No one had ever heard the gospel before. And he goes in and he sees a crippled man. God says, go pray for him. And he goes and prays for him. And the handicapped guy stands up. Well, the city goes nuts. And they think Paul and Barnabas are gods. You can go read the story. It's an interesting story. And they want to bring animals to sacrifice to these Greek gods. They thought they were Greek gods. Zeus and Hermes. Well, the short version is Paul resisted, but the crowd turned against him. They decided to kill him instead of he's not a god. They took him outside the city, and they stoned him to death. But Paul got up. <laughs> and walked back in the city, started preaching again. Well, evidently, Timothy's grandmother and mother saw that and came to the Lord. The second time Paul comes through the city, he finds Timothy walking with God, and he prays for him and takes him with him. And he would use Timothy. He left him in Philippi. Timothy became his young protege that, that he would send into troubled areas, take letters up to the north. So it's this young man's family, a mom and a grandmother, that brought him to faith. Go, Mom. Go, Grandma. We've got a lot of grandmothers in this church that are raising their grandchildren. You know, Mom's working or something has happened. Pour your life into them. Pour the life of Jesus into them. And maybe you're raising a Timothy. What a privilege. A privilege indeed. Though not without challenges, 
and we want to pause here and acknowledge those who may have just joined us. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, and we're glad you're with us. We continue now with more on this challenging yet rewarding privilege from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. Once again, there's Pastor Ed. Well, you look back in eternity, be excited, you get a little weary, right? Well, just look at these two ladies and the impact they had on the early church. I am persuaded you have the same faith. You have the real deal, authentic, true faith, Timothy. I trust God is going to use you. Now, we come to the meat of this section. Verse 6 and 7 are all one verse, actually, but this is the gold mine. This is what God wants to say to me and to you this morning. Therefore, I, I remind you, Timothy and us, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So, I remind you to stir up. There's actually a play on words here in the Greek language remind and fan into flames that literally says to stir up and it's the same ending so they, these words rhyme stir up the gift is translated rekindle the rsv rekindle the gift of god niv reminds you that you fan into flame the gift of god the picture is there of a campfire you know you go camping throw some logs on the fire you're cooking s'mores or or marshmallows or hot dogs or something and then you're talking, and nobody's paying attention to the fire, and it burns down until there's just embers there. And then if you want to add to it, you stir it up, burst into flame again, throw some more fuel on it, and then there appears heat, and you're enjoying it again. That's the word that Paul uses here about the gift that you received when you were saved. What? God gave you a gift when you surrendered your life to Him. Are you using it? Have you let it die down? Paul says, stir it up, Timothy. He says the same thing to me this morning that he's saying to you. Stir up that gift. Well, what gift did I get? Faith. Romans 12, 3. God has given to each one a measure of faith. You have the gift of God of faith in you. Now, you may have other gifts. If you don't, you should ask for them. That's what Paul said, earnestly desire all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The charisma is the word here. Oh, no, he's going charismatic on us. I hope so. I'm teasing, all right? We all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do not be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. God wants you to have them. Exercise them in your life. Use them. Stir that up. That's what he says. If it's just the initial gift, stir it up. Ask for more gifts. Stir it up like a fire that's gone out. Now, fire is interesting. It actually is oxidation in chemical terms, right, in physics. It's not really something with form. You know, it's flipping all over the place, and it's the marriage of fuel with oxygen. And so you can't really grab a hold of it. And sometimes... That's the way the gift is. You're not quite sure whether it's working or not. Trust that it is. Whisper a prayer, God use me, and expect him to do it. The charisma, the favor, the gift that every person receives from God. For God has not called us or not given us 
a spirit of fear. It's a small s. This is not the Holy Spirit. The context demands that he's talking about the human attitude that Timothy had. Why? Because Timothy matched his name. Timothy was timid. Timidity is a characteristic in this young man's life. God wants us to grow from those initial things. Stuff happens to everyone growing up. You have a story, I have a story of why we have phobias, right? That's the Greek word for a fear. You know, agoraphobia, you're afraid of the marketplace, of people crowding around, and on and on. God says, I want you to be healed of those. You came in with fears this morning, leave them here. We can take them. We'll throw them away, but leave them here by saying, God, I put them at the foot of the cross. You didn't give me fear, but what you did give me was power. Dudamas, powerful word, where we get the word dynamite. Alfred Nobel was looking for a word. Dudamas is it. Power from God. He didn't give you fear. didn't give you timidity. Step out and love agape. Timothy, give your love away to people. Maybe people that don't even want it. You know, those grumpy atheists that you're around at work. I had an encounter yesterday with a grumpy atheist. And I didn't understand why he's so angry. He's dropping the F-bombs. He's trying to offend me and drive me away. And I said, what's going on in your life? He said, do you know anything about Christianity? He says, I'm married to a Christian. She's at a Bible study right now. I said, oh, I get it. What do you mean you get it? She's praying for you. That's why you're so unhappy right now. I used to be there. I was grumpy too until I finally surrendered. And blah, 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 you know, more stuff coming out. Expect blowback. Just swim right in. I expect him to be back, probably to yell at me, but probably because God will take that little bit and work on it. Power, love, and a sound mind. Some of us need this last one more than others, right? So it's a mind that's based upon balance is literally the word. Now, fear is not something God gave you. Timidity is not something God gave you. Shyness is not of the Lord. I've read this before, but it's such a, a beautiful quote by uh, Dr. E. Stanley Jones. He was a Methodist missionary. He wrote on fear and faith. Here's what he said. I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath because it's not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I can breathe freely. That's my native air. A doctor says, we do not know why it is that worriers die sooner than non-worriers, but it is a medical fact. But I, who am simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain cell and soul for faith, not for fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is to live against reality. We would say today, we are hardwired for faith, not for fear. Is the machinery of your life grinding gears right now? 
lay it down at the foot of the cross, lay your phobias, lay your fears down, and say, Lord, I need more faith. Now, it's happening right now. You are receiving faith. That's what the Word promises, that when the Word is spoken, read, talked about, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So it's happening. It's the right time to respond to that faith and leave it here. Leave it on the ground. Leave it before the cross. So Timothy is naturally timid. If you met him, you probably would love him. You'd say, well, what a gentle-hearted guy. But that's not what God has called you and I to. Yes, we are to be loving. Yes, we are to be approachable. But God wants us to also care enough about people to give that love away and tell them about what God did for us. You need to act like what God wants you to be, not what you have been from things that happened to your life. Uh, George Sweeney is a historian who wrote a great deal about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, at 29 years old, had conquered the world, the known world. But he had an army that was uh, very regimented. But there was one young man who had failed in the last battle to hold his position. And so Alexander had him called in. The general looked at him sternly and he said, what's your name, young man? He said, Alexander, sir. Got a screwed up faith and Alexander said, change your name or become courageous. Don't be a coward. God doesn't want us to be cowards. He doesn't want us to be timid. He doesn't want us to be shy. Well, I'm just shy. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just self-conscious. No, no, you're, you're thinking more about what other people think than what God thinks. The fear of man is a snare, Proverbs 29, 25 says. Break out of it. Stir up the fire. Rekindle the flame that God gave you. Don't be passive. Be active. Push on, believer. God wants fire in your life. Fire is a good thing. I'll close with this. A couple years ago, Ray Lynn and I were up in Montana speaking at a little missionary school up there, Bible College. And we had a couple of days off, and they took us over to the National Park, their Glacier National Park. And it's beautiful. Never seen it before. Towering peaks. Astoundingly beautiful. But huge forests of lodgepole pines. And lodgepole pines are an interesting tree, particularly up there. They have a unique characteristic. They have a cone that's covered with a wax-like material that left alone, it cannot release the seed and bring new trees into being. But if a fire comes and burns through the lodgepole pines, it heats up the cone, it releases the seed, and there's all kinds of young lodgepole pines that are growing up. We went to an area that had a fire 15 years earlier or something like that, and it had 8, 10, 12-foot lodgepole pines so densely growing together, you couldn't even get through there. Fire released them to become everything they were supposed to be. That's what Paul is talking about here. Don't be afraid of the fire that God's put in you. Stir it up. God, give me more. Give me courage. Help me to step out and share your love with others. Today on Grow in Grace, we brought you a portion of Pastor Ed's study in First and Second Timothy. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. 
or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on iTunes as well. We can hook you up with many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Speaking of resources, today we'd like to make special mention of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, authored by renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Together they explore the human body and uncover statements that God has made about our bodies. They point out that the human body is like a window into the very structure of God's creation and a testament to God's glory. This month, we'll send this to those of you who support Grow in Grace with a donation of any amount. You might think of it as our way of saying thanks. Please remember that your gifts help us to bring Pastor Ed's teachings to the radio every day. To make a year-end contribution, go online at thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. And it's a real blessing when we hear back from our listening audience. Whether it's a word of affirmation or a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email today. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in First and Second Timothy with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Side hall now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your